Welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you for being here. Before we listen to my next guest, I want to ask that if you like the podcast, please subscribe to the channel and leave a positive review so we can grow this channel. I've been working really hard for you guys to grow by putting systems in place that bring on guests who are very valuable to you. And I'm just going to be honest, it hasn't been an easy ride. So I would certainly appreciate your support. Also, let me know your thoughts by texting me at 714-294-0269. Again, 714-294-0269. Zero two six nine. Last time, seven one four two nine four zero two six nine. To ask about details and to receive future podcasts directly to your cell phone. Let's continue with the podcast. All right. So I'm here with Leilani. Uh, you are the owner of Earlens, uh, and essentially, it's a, a hearing mechanism that allows you. That's pretty unique. So I'm going to let you describe it because you probably know the all the intricacies regarding, you know, how it works and things like that. So why don't you just tell me what your product does and we'll go from there. Sure. And just to clarify, so I'm actually the chief marketing and commercial operations officer. Airlines okay. um, is a privately owned medical technology company. Uh, it was founded by Dr. Rodney Perkins, who is uh, still our chief medical officer. So he is a pioneer in the world of hearing and hearing technology and actually, um, founded one of the largest hearing aid companies today it was uh, since sold called uh, resound it was purchased by a company called gn um, but he is absolutely a pioneer he's an otolaryngologist um, and he came up with the idea of earlines about 20 years ago when he was thinking about creating something that was like a contact lens for the ear so in essence earlines is a complete hearing solution it is absolutely revolutionary because what we do is place a small lens on the eardrum and we drive sound directly from the tip to the lens to vibrate the eardrum and create the broadest uh, and crispest sound possible. And this is very, very different from every other hearing aid that's on the market. They all use air conduction technology. Um, so essentially tiny speakers. So this is, again, a very, very directly driving sound to the eardrum. And what you get with that as a user is you get a broader bandwidth. So um, for those who are not familiar with how hearing works, it's not a volume game. It's a bandwidth game. So frequently where you lose hearing is in high frequency or low frequency. And that has nothing to do with volume. It has absolutely to do with the frequency. So what we're able to create is this bandwidth, the broadest bandwidth, and that gives people the ability to hear uh, better speech in noise, um, distinguish words better. So that's the difficult thing that people who start losing their hearing, they start missing pieces of words. So anyway, so it's very, very exciting. Again, we have also have a very unique business proposition, which is we sell through the ear, nose, and throat physician channel and audiology channel. So most hearing aids are sold through hearing dispensers and audiology practices only. Um, some are sold through, through physician practices, but because ours is both uh, a medical device and an implant, if you will, even though it's a non-surgical implant, um, we actually engage the physician deeply in the process. Wow, okay. So how does it increase the bandwidth? Uh so yeah, so it increases the bandwidth by driving the sound directly to the eardrum. So again, if you think about a, a traditional hearing aid as tiny speakers, um, there's only so much sound that they can actually uh, drive into your ear. 
And what we're doing is actually vibrating the eardrum, moving those cochlear bones, and that's what sound, that's how sound is produced. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Uh, how did he, how did you guys, when did you come into the company? Was it? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I joined the company a year ago. So my background is completely non-medical device. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of the, uh, the square peg in the round hole. I actually spent 25 years uh, working in technology for the travel industry, half of the time spent in Europe and the rest in the U.S., um, and the company I worked for had a group of different verticals. Um, my roles were across the organization in uh, go-to-market, new markets, uh, growing new, you know, sharing new customer segments. Um, so really the common thread through my career is taking something nascent and growing it. And then about six years ago, I started uh, with a startup company focused on serving the healthcare industry through enterprise software and data. Um, and again, that company was at a growth inflection point where I built out the marketing team, channel partnerships, and our commercial operations all the way through to acquisition. And at that time, I was looking for a company that was in scale-up mode. Um, I wanted to go work for a company that had a product that was really making a significant impact on um, kind of society in general. And, and I found Airlines. Wow, I love it. I love it. Um, what, uh, what, what is your main focus right now regarding marketing the company? Um, you, you definitely, so you mentioned channel partners. You also mentioned uh, marketing. So you focus on channel partners. I would think channel partners, that's like a marketing and sales, but normally when I hear channel partners, I think of sales, but that, is that, is that a strong focus of yours? Like channel I mean, it, it's so, you know, that's part of my past. I would say part of my history right now, our, our channel partners are again, the, it's the physician network. Um, I think right. if you think about, again, it's a very different market in the, in the past, in the software industry, um, you're typically working with a lot of channel partners as far as the delivery of your software. Sometimes people are wrapping service around your software. Of course, medical device is very different, um, you know, how you're selling through the channels. But no, here we're very focused on our primary focus is really uh, growing both the provider and the, and the patient network. But of course, those two things go hand in hand. So we want to make sure that we're, we're growing slowly. We're at the very, very beginning of our commercial uh, launch. So um, we're, again, growing with key providers and then in those markets, really trying to drive new patients, yeah. drive awareness about the solution and the company as well. It's such a complicated process in the medical field. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of decision makers, um, a lot of things that you have to put in place to make things happen. So you, you, I'm sure like your job is difficult because you always have to align marketing with the deliverables on a consistent basis. Um, so what are you doing? So for anyone who's selling medical devices, what are you doing to get the word out there regarding uh, your approaches and marketing and, um, and how, how you're really becoming a more known entity in this space? Yeah, that's a great question. And so um, my role, I actually have uh, the marketing team, uh, the customer care team, and commercial operations. But just from a marketing perspective, I mean, we really have three different customers, if you think about it. We definitely have the patient or the consumer um, as a customer. But then, of course, we also have the providers, and that includes both the ENT physician and the audiologist or the hearing professionals that work with them. So uh, the, you know, getting awareness around our solution, I think, for um, in the provider space. So this is very much a B to B to C, um, if you will, world, right? Because in the provider space, it's absolutely about engaging them and, you know, um, so helping. The, Sorry. How do you focus on a specific market? Like, how do you choose? Like, like you, you do all three, right? But it seems very mm -hmm. complicated. It seems like 
I, I have to figure out the, there's a lot of things you have to figure out. You have to figure out where your the, the clients are in that segment. Um, and then figure out how to talk to them directly. Um, and then figure out what channels you need to use multiple channels. It just seems like it's a, it's a very complex thing. So how are you managing all that? Yeah, well, I would say, I mean, listen, so through very deep um, customer segmentation and insights, and that includes both on the provider side as well on the patient side and aligning those, right? So we have a very good idea of who our target uh, consumer is um, for now. Again, we're at the very beginning. So, um, but we knew who, we know who that target uh consumer is. And so in some essence, it's, it's looking at them by, you know, geographic distribution and also then seeing who are the providers in those areas and then learning a lot more about the providers in those areas through our sales team. We have a direct sales team um, and then engaging with these key providers. And, you know, not all, um, there are, are a lot of otolaryngologists, there are a lot of ENT practices not all of them actually um, have hearing aid businesses. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a matching exercise, if you will. But then also, you know, I say it's, it's also a, a interesting technology. So um, depending upon, you know, what the, what the practice looks like, in some cases, it's really those folks who are, are early adopters and looking at new technologies and thinking about what else they can provide their patients as far as a better hearing experience. Wow, I love that. Um, so you direct to consumer let's talk to first direct to consumer so you do do direct to consumer right very limited so again we're very small we're a startup and yeah. um you know we're competing with five giants in the industry <laughs> at least okay. um who have you know much bigger marketing budgets um so you know we're starting small and like i said we're starting with very segmented um efforts looking at those yeah uh, those markets it- and those consumers and again where we have provider where we have the provider network we couldn't go national because we don't have providers in every market yet would you say like maybe um a lot of your market is uh obviously older but there's also younger a younger market as well um so how do you go if you're going direct consumer and let's say you're going after a population above the age of 70 for example um how are you targeting those those people where are they where are they where is their attention and how are you putting yourself in a place that gets their attention yeah i mean it's a great question without sharing specifics um oh yeah okay no but (laughs) no secret sauce but um no i think i mean so a couple of things we for now our target uh, customer is actually someone who is already wearing a hearing aid or is using some kind of a personal sound ampl- amplification device. Yeah. And the reason for that is those are the people who really hear the difference. They really notice the difference. If you were a first time um, hearing aid person, right? You were looking for your first hearing solution. You'd be like, oh, this is this is how it should be all the time. You would think that's <laughs> how it should be all the time. And you might not know yeah. what the difference is. So for now, that's the that's the, the those are the customers we're focused on, people who can really appreciate the difference and notice the difference. Um, and so that already makes the market smaller. It's a it's a small market. So I'm gonna, you know, share a couple of statistics with you that I think are um, you know, important as we think about the market, and again, what we think is a great opportunity. So part of that is that, you know, first of all, hearing loss, any kind of hearing loss is the third most common health problem in the United States. And what that means is approximately 48 million Americans are experiencing some degree of hearing impairment. Um, and there are very a very limited amount, so it's around about 20% of people who do anything about it. 
And most importantly, what's, what's exciting to us is a recent research study that was published in you know, kind of a revered medical journal called The Lancet found that hearing loss is the top modifiable risk factor for dementia. So stated more simply, really? correcting your hearing is cited as the number one change people can make to decrease their risk of getting dementia. Wow. So, so when you add that to what why, I call... Why, why, do you, why do you think that is, though? Really quick. Why do well, so? I'm not a scientist or a doctor, so I will yeah. not opine on that. Okay. Um, but I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it really comes down to you don't really hear with your ears; you hear with your brain. So if you think about, if you've, you know, I always say to folks, if you've seen, if you had a grandma or a mother or a grandpa <laughs> or an aunt, and you've seen their hearing loss uh, journey, what you've probably noticed is when they start to pull back from family events, pull back from social events. Uh, they get tired faster. Um, they're working so much harder. Their brain is working so much harder trying to piece together all of the things that they're missing in conversation or in those social events. And that's you're, you're losing using a lot of your brain to hear. So I would guess, again, I'm not going to opine as a non-physician, but I would say that for us, what's exciting about that statistic is that um, I match that with a growing baby boomer, I mean, I think there are about 10,000 baby boomers uh, turning 65 every day, right? So this is a fast growing uh, demographic. And most baby boomers, you know, we all listen to too much rock and roll, <laughs> probably, right? So um, at loud volumes, we weren't really cautious about our, our uh, hearing. I, I don't, I don't know if I'm a baby boomer or not, but I say us and just in the plural. But my point is, is that this is a demographic that is redefining aging as well. And they're very, um, you know, pro, they have a pro-aging attitude. They're like, let's take control of our health and our wellness and, you know, let's, let's age well. And so I think these two statistics or these two journeys, the, the journey of I'm now linking um, improving my hearing to improving my, my cognitive abilities, and I'm a little bit less worried about, you know, the stigma of, a hearing aid and thinking I'd much rather hear and be engaged and be social and continue, you know, working again, this is a demographic that's working until their seventies, mid seventies. So it's, it's, you know, we're active, an active population. So I think those two things are coming together and that for us is a great opportunity because as we talked about the bandwidth, the, um, audibility that we provide with our solution is absolutely in those bandwidth areas that people lose first. So it's the high frequencies that you lose typically first in your hearing. So it just makes for a great opportunity. Um, again, we're, we're growing slow, but we think it's an exciting uh, market. Yeah. And again, if we think about it, a market in general, that only about a quarter of people who have any kind of loss are doing anything about it. We think there's just also a great opportunity for more people to get into any solution, ours or anyone else's. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to opine about um, what – what causes people who have a lack of hearing to get dementia? Um, I think I think the the less information uh, that comes to you, the less um, you can think through that information in, in in all its complexity. And so, what happens is I think uh, neural synapses kind of break, uh, you know, as time progresses. And if you're not consistently, you know, strengthening them. Um, and so if you're not taking information, then you don't have a way to strengthen your, your faculties. Um, and I think, that, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. 
kind of th that concept I think um, is uh, relevant here. Um, I, I might be wrong, you know. You know <laughs> no. Like I said, I won't opine. I, I will leave it to the the brilliant people at Lancet and other studies. I mean, so again, there are a lot of studies that are coming out now that are linking these. And listen, hearing loss or challenges with hearing have been um, have already been linked to things like depression. Right, people become less social or get depressed. Um, you know, I think the I call it the psychographic of. Um, you know, imagine having been, you know, in, in an important person in your life and someone people listen to and then not being able to hear them anymore. Um, so really I think, important. again, there's a confidence and control that comes with that, that, that that's why I say I think we'll see a change in, in kind of this next generation of really, you know, people taking control of their health. I think we're seeing that more and more. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about marketing. Um, okay. What, what, what do you feel is, um, what are the first steps in, in scaling a marketing team and making sure that we, we increase sales as a company? So, uh, you know, what are you, like, what was your experience coming into the company? What were the conversations you initially had uh, with uh, your company owner um, on how you're going to grow the company. What were like your initial conversations? Um, now I don't want you to, again, I don't want you to give away any secret sauce or anything, but I'm kind of interested in like, he probably had a lot of questions for you and you kind of probably built a, a game plan to, to help scale, uh, and, and put the word out there. So can you, can you tell me about that and, and flesh it out for me? Sure. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, in general, I think from, um, and I'm going to call it go to market as opposed to marketing, because I think again, technology companies tend to, um, you know, in the nicest way possible, build a beautiful product and think I'll bring in marketing at the very, very end. And we'll put, you know, pretty pictures and fancy words around it and then we'll sell it. And so I'm going to call marketing go to market, which is a very market driven approach. And I say that because I think it's essential to look at um, who the customer is, what they're buying, how they're buying it, um, what they're paying for it, right? And, and think those things through how, how you will go to market first um, and what your, again, what your unique um, value proposition is, why they would buy you um, as opposed to someone else. And I think that I call it the, the buyer-seller match. That absolutely has to be part of the, the foundation of, of selling any product, right? And then, and then the how you will sell it is also important. Again, that gets that back to the channel. Will you go through a direct sales team? Will you go through a partner uh, channel? Um, so you know. let's talk about pricing because mm -hmm. if you have, if there's a, a bunch of products in the marketplace that have a specific price point, but your product costs more is higher quality. How do you, how do you, uh, adjust pricing based on that knowledge that there's, you have a better product than most products on the market. It's the first of its kind. Uh, and, but there's a price point for most hearing aids. Like, how do you break into the market when you know that, you know, you need to cover your costs, but, um, you know, you're, you're a higher quality product and these other products are, you know, at a, at a specific price point. Well, so, I mean, I think, I think, so part of that is, is, you know, every company has to position themselves based upon value, right? People pay for value. Um, as much as they pay for a product, I would say more than they pay for a product, right? And what is wrapped around that value. So in our case in particular, 
um, we have decided to one go through a, a concierge medicine um, approach to getting the product right so you can't get the product online you can't get it at Costco um, you must go through a physician and healthcare professional network to get the product and that in and of itself is a different delivery model if you will the product itself again is um, is slightly more complex than the traditional hearing aid we have a lens that is placed on your eardrum it is custom it is custom made for every single ear and so that requires the uh, the engagement of a physician and an audiologist to actually fit it. So we are very much in a premium uh, service, premium delivery, premium product category, and yep. you know that will you know in and of itself restrict your um, your target market as far as you know patients are concerned. And and I would say besides what I would call a physiological, that you know, depending upon people's hearing loss, depending upon if they have something else going on physiologically, not everybody is a candidate for, you know, any solution, right? Any medical solution. So yeah. there's, there's, there's always, you know, the market is not a hundred percent ever. There, there are always reasons why it's not a hundred percent. So I think that's a piece of it, but, um, but again, so, it, you know, every product that goes to market has to figure out, I always say, you know, are you, are you Ford or Ferrari? I like to say that now that there's a movie. Um, I used to say that before, yeah. right? Are you, a, or are you a Fiat or a Ferrari, right? But the, the real question is, how do you, you know, how do you place yourself in the marketplace? So that is very much our distinction is, again, this is um, a more complex product. Um, it comes with a richer premium service experience and again a richer healthcare uh, experience and and so it is at, at the upper end of the market now again there are other um, many other solutions that are going straight over the counter straight to online sales and those are fine too you know they have their place they have their market yeah. segmentation and of course everybody bleeds into each other it's really about can you distinguish the value because that's what it comes down to people um, people will be satisfied with a um, a company, and again, this gets to me. This gets from a from a marketing perspective or a go to market perspective is part of what I call the brand experience as well. Is people don't do businesses with products; they do businesses with brands and yeah, and companies, true. right? So agreed, agreed. Uh, so to me, it's about, and I always say, this is a conversation you're having with your customer. And it needs to be a conversation that they're interested in having, right? You have to be the, you have to have integrity in the conversation you're having with them. And, and that's what people want to engage with. They want to engage with the brand. They're not engaging with a product uh, or a service in and of itself. They're engaging with the entirety of the conversation with that brand. Yes. People will overpay for a brand. Um, and, and they'll, not saying that they would overpay for your product, but people will buy brand over like the, the somebody will buy a $30,000 Rolex and not buy uh, a, a watch that's uh, made of the same material for 300 bucks. They'd be like, no, I'm not going to buy that $300 watch. It's too expensive. <laughs> you know, $30,000 Rolex. Well, it's also what we assign value to, right? So, you know, I say this is again, the, the customer segment we're segment that we're selling into is a value based buyer. Um, so, so that, that, that presents a challenge for you guys because, because you're, you have to make sure that your brand is really strong. Cause I, the way I see things is you, with regards to products, you either have to follow a strong trend. And, uh, if that trend is like, you, you could have a product in the marketplace that's really cheap. And because there's a trend there, 
you sell a ton of uh, products, so you just need to put yourself in the place where everyone's paying paying attention to. Or you you have a higher premium product, uh, a premium product, and you have to uh, you, you you charge more, but you have to have a really really strong brand where you put yourself out there uh, a lot. So uh, so I see from the owner's perspective, I see we need to build a, a strong brand. I see his desire to build a strong brand. And so how are you distinguishing your, your, yourself from all the other uh, brands or companies out there that sell uh, hearing aids? Cause you, if I go to, you know, pharmacy, is that, is that, I don't even know where you buy hearing aids, pharmacy, right? You okay. Can buy them, you can buy them anywhere. So, these days. Gotcha. So, so let's say I, I'm in a retail location that has hearing aids and I see multiple hearing aids I'm going to see to myself, like for me, I'm going to see, well, I'm just going to get whatever I need at the moment if there's no distinction in brand. So if there's like three, four hearing aids, I don't I have no idea, you know, what those here, like who, what brand they, they represent, whatever the case may be. I'm just going to buy the cheapest one that I think will work or whatever the case may be. So how are you guys distinguishing yourself as a brand? Uh, and that's, that's really, really, really important. As, well, as, that's, and that's part of, that's absolutely part of when I, when I keep talking about this premium service experience, that's part of the partnership with, um, with the physicians and the, the audiologists that will be ultimately, um, working with the patient, right. Is really building that strong partnership with them because they will be our brand ambassadors, um, and so that's, that's part of the education process. That's part of really building this strong differential and experience. We want it to be a different experience for the patient. So, um, but kind of to your point, that's, that's also as not being present. I mean, this, there's a little bit of, um, just the nature of us selling through a physician network. There's in the nature of exclusivity. You're, you're not going to see us at Costco. Um, well, don't, so, don't you have to have a strong brand to be able to sell to the physicians too. Like, like they need to recognize the brand as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think definitely, I mean, definitely, but I, I would say in the, um, I, you know, I think in the, in, in any space, it, it does get back to a relationship, right? So these yeah. are, if we were just talking about, um, a consumer brand, um, again, building that strong brand awareness, it's very, very difficult in the medical space. And again, I'm a, I'm a novice in this space, so I won't, uh, I won't claim to be an expert because I kind of just got here. Um, but it's a very different, um, it's a different relationship, right? The medical, this is a medical, this is a medical engagement, medical space. And I would say, and if I were to think about a, surgical tool or a, a plate that's going to be put, you know, in, in a surgical plate or something like that, you're not going to really know what brand it is, right? The patient isn't necessarily going to know what brand it is. And so I think it's just a different space when we think about brand and brand awareness. It's, it's something that we absolutely need to build out and we're planning to build out. Um, it's, it's, again, it's part of this very unique offering, but I think we have to think about it slightly differently because this isn't, um, you know, Tylenol versus I don't know, aspirin or something like that. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little bit more compl complex. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what are you doing to build uh, relationships with these physicians and, and building out that network? I think part of it again is really getting them excited about the technology. So, I mean, the good news is, is there have been in the hearing aid space um, whilst there have been some really fascinating um, 
I would say, evolutions around uh, the periphery, right? So things like some artificial intelligence around, um, you know, detecting, you know, detecting some things happening uh, with the patient or uh, streaming is, you know, amazing. I mean, now you can stream your music, you can stream your phone calls directly from your phone to your hearing solution. So you don't have to go through another speaker if you want to think about it that way, right? And so there's been some great, you know, rechargeable, uh, our, our solution is fully rechargeable, which means, you know, you don't have to be changing out tiny batteries, you know, in particular, again, if you don't have great fine motor skills. Um, and so there have been some great uh, technology evolutions around the periphery, but the base technology of how air conduction uh, works has not really changed for about 100 years. So I think what we're seeing is, you know, people are excited about the technology. And so it, it, professionals in particular are very excited. This is, you know, a highly educated group of people, right? So the newest technology that's going to get them better, better patient outcomes is exciting to them. Mm, got it. Got it. So really all you have to do is get in front of a physician to show them what it does. Well, we have to, we have to prove, we have to prove the value and, and listen, get the, get them the patients. And then when they hear the patients, you know, patient testimonials are really, or the, whatever you want to call them, the people testimonials or what I call them, you know, hearing people say, this has been a mood changer for me, hearing people say, um, you know, I went to a board meeting the day before I got my ear lens and I went to a board meeting two days after I got my ear lens and the experience was completely different, right? The, the first one was I couldn't hear everything that was happening. I was starting to think maybe I should roll off this board because I'm not, I'm not capturing all of the, the information and now, uh, now I can. Or hearing people say we went to the movies and we really had no idea what was going on. We couldn't really hear the movie very well and we were wearing hearing aids, right? And then we went back to see that same movie after we got our ear lens and realized we could actually hear what was going on. So those are the, those are the stories that, that make the difference. It's the patient outcomes. Listen, that's the value, right? It's the value for the patient, but it's also the value for the providers is when they hear a difference in outcomes is when they get really excited that they, they know they're giving their, their patients a better, uh, an option, a richer and better option. So you have a very uh, significant role uh, in building out that network. Um, that's, that's, uh, it's quite a, quite a position. It's kind of, uh, overwhelming. Do you feel sometimes it can be overwhelming to start to, to, for this responsibility to put in your, in your hands and for you to have to build out this bigger physician network and, I mean, it's always challenging. I, I, you know, part of the fun is part of the part of the the fun of startups is actually the building, you know, building everything out. So um, I think, you know, listen, it's for me personally, and I think for, for any CMO, your challenge is always getting a deeper and deeper understanding of the customer, right? And then staying in tune with how their needs are evolving because we are human beings and we change constantly. Um, and then the market changes, right? So there's getting that that understanding of industry trends and how those might be driving your customer needs. And then there's the psychology of buying. So to me, all of that is intriguing. Sure, I would love to be able to do it overnight, but um, but you know the fun, the fun is actually the process, right? So getting there and then and then the growth. So I can imagine in you know a year or two years from now, we'll be thinking about different how to get into different customer segments. You know, you start with with I think that's part of uh, what I would call a real good go-to-market strategy is get one 
you know, nail one thing well, do one thing really, really well, and build off of that. If you try to do too many things at the same time, you might not really execute to any of those. So get something, scale it, grow it, um, and then start thinking about where, what else you can do. We have a lot of ideas to what else we can do, but, you know, we'll, we'll get, get the, everything in, in its time. Um, you worked for a, a larger technology company at some point, right? So yes. what, is, what is it like to go from working in the corporate space to working in a startup? Yeah, it's so, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I would say, and I, you know, I, I tell this to people I, I mentor, you know, I always say, listen, you want to spend some time in a large company and then you want to spend some time in a small company. So the benefit of a large company is that you can really go deep into certain verticals of the business. You can really build out, um, you know, deep understanding of things like for me, things like product marketing and product management, right? Or product prioritization or really building out customer needs and a go-to-market plan or getting into global markets, right? Those are those are the things you get at a larger company. At a smaller company, you get to do a lot more. You get to touch a lot of different areas of the business because um, that's just the nature of a growing business in a small company. So I think from a career perspective, I always tell people, you know, make sure you get a little bit of time in each one of those. Um, and when I started with I the big agree. technology company, I was like employee number four in, um, in our Southern European division. So it was as if it was a startup. We were just getting into that market. You know, we didn't even have like local language contracts. So it kind of was a startup experience. But then I had the, the ability to drop into, you know, big kind of corporate headquarters and get that experience as well. So for me, I think it's, I, again, I've had the fortune of many of my roles were about taking something that was nascent, something that was an idea or a new product or a new market and growing that. Um, and I, I bring that kind of experience with me. Um, I do, again, the, the, the fortune that I have for being, having been with a B2B2C industry before is bringing that over here where again you may be marketing to a consumer but you're really selling through a provider network and so it's understanding where those natural um, I don't want to say tensions but maybe they're natural you know friction points but also where those opportunities are so what interests you most about marketing um gosh that's a great question I mean to me it's it's looking I think it's really understanding how to bring together the buy view and the sell view. Those to me are the, the, I think the interesting points, but also, again, I like their, you know, I was in sales. I did direct sales for probably six years early on in my career. So I think that definitely helps me from a marketing perspective, understand the, um, you know, have a lot of empathy for the folks that are out frontline selling um, but then I also owned a, a product line. So I also really, you know, kind of like interacting with the product you marketing were, side. You, were, you owned a product line at some point. Well, I mean, I owned it within, within a company. Oh, I owned a $6 yeah, million yeah. Dollar product line. Yeah, I was the, the, the product owner and, and had, you know, two, two desktop and two, two API uh, products within my product line. So, oh. so I think being able to go to have those different perspectives on marketing. Marketing is a very, very big field when people ask me, Again, kind of marketing, I think, again, frequently gets, it gets limited to um, either comms, people think it's PR and comms, or people think it's design and, like I say, pretty pictures and words. It is kind of a, um, kind of a dubious uh, industry. <laughs> it is, but it, 
But if you think about it as how you will go to market, how you will take your product to market, how you'll talk about it, who you'll sell it to, how you'll price it, if you start asking the who, what, where, when, and how, you get together what go-to market is, yeah. um, and start seeing the connections with the other areas of the business. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, so where do you, what do you plan on? So let me ask you this. So you mentioned people should be in big corporations and small corporations to get the, or small companies to get the experience that gives them kind of like an eclectic um, feel for, you know, their career. Um, and so uh, do you suggest if somebody's in marketing, they should be in sales and then somebody's in sales be in marketing? Um, that's a good question. So not, I mean, not everybody has, it really de depends on the individual, right? You, you, when I think about, um, depending upon what kind of sales, uh, personality you have, some people are just such great salespeople. They should always be salespeople. Um, the same thing with, you know, people who work on products. Some people are very highly technical product marketers and some people are more, um, kind of visionary product marketers. So, um, but I do think from a marketing perspective, what I've, what I, you know, tell people is again, you know, you never want to be a jack of all trades, master of none, right? Yes. So you, yes. you, you want to get, uh, some mastery in a few key areas and that comes with time. Um, but I think here in the Silicon Valley, again, a lot of people who have worked, you know, on my teams, et cetera, they've just done one startup after another. And I always advise them, go, you know, go to a big company for a few years, just, just try it. You know, I think they, they get, um, sometimes people feel like, Oh, I don't want to be part of the, that corporate life. It's, it's very stressful. Um, there's politics, a lot of politics. And so a lot of people like are averse to, to being part of a bigger corporation. Probably. And I think some of it's impact too, right? So, um, I mean, oh, to me, the ex impact, yeah. yeah, I mean, the exciting thing about, about being with a startup is you do have an opportunity to make more of an impact. And again, for me, you know, coming to Irlands is, is seeing a product that is going to have a significant impact, right? So it's not just personal impact, but it's also the impact that your product is going to have. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I think when you go to a bigger um, organization, you, you just learn a ton. I mean, it is, you know, getting a master's degree, right? And maybe there is politics, but that's life, right? Or maybe, um, maybe there are, it's harder to get things done and you have to learn how to be more influential and work your influence skills, right? So there are lots of ways to learn leadership. And I think, again, some of it is just the discipline that comes with larger companies and, and understanding how to navigate them. And that in and of itself can be a lesson. Hmm. Do you feel like before people start their own company, do you feel they should work for a larger corporation before they do so? Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure I have a, a, a hard opinion on that. I think it helps to have certain disciplines if you're going to start and run your own company. If you have people who are going to run it for you and you're going to be um, maybe the person running with tech or maybe the person running with sales. Um, I do think it helps to have some basic uh, disciplines that you get from a prior corporate life. Interesting. Cool. So um, do you have, uh, are you married? Do you have kids? <laughs> yes. And not yet. And yes. And yes. I have a 15 year old and a 17 year old. 15 and 17 year old. Okay. Mm. Awesome. And are they also interested in marketing? No. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> they get what I do, though, which is more than I can say for my mom. I probably tried to explain what I do to my mom a hundred times, and I'm pretty sure she still has no idea what I do. Well, it's, yeah, I think older generations don't understand marketing, really, <laughs> normally. No, no. I think my, I mean, I think my dad kind of does. I think he, he kind of gets it. But again, and my kids get it. They, you know, and they, they think it's cool. They certainly think, you know, earlens is cool. My son keeps saying that he wants, he wants to get an earlens. I say, okay, well, but your hearing is fine for now. He's wearing <laughs> his earbuds. Yeah, it, it's kind of, uh, um, just marketing is so diverse. I mean, there's so many things you can do in marketing. Um, and, uh, and because of that, you know, people don't under, it's kind of nebulous to them for you to say I'm in marketing cause they don't know. They're like, okay, there's like 10 million different things you can do. It's kind of like, it's like anything else. I, I, I suppose, but, um, uh, it's cool. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, uh, regarding, you know, they hear that this podcast, um, I'm not sure if your target market would be listening to this podcast. I'm not sure, but maybe, 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 uh, but I mean, you know, listen, there are plenty of people who might be, you know, looking to make a career change. And I can tell you, this is an exciting business to get in. I mean, one of the things that's amazing about this company is so again, I come from a software background, haven't, haven't been around a lot of hardware for a while. And I've just been, you know, fascinated, thrilled and inspired to see, um, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, material engineers. I mean, there, there are talk about seeing so many different disciplines um, and a diversity in types of skill set. This, this is very inspiring to me. So, you know, maybe people who are listening or thinking about making a career change, I would say, you know, really consider going to an industry that for me was really not on my radar screen, right? I was not thinking about going into medical device. I thought you had to have, um, you know, some kind of a, scientific background or have, have been there. And, and again, I think thinking about something like this, that, that is a cro what I a little bit of a crossover. Um, I would say, you know, think about coming someplace where you could really use your skills and, and get engaged and do something that's, that's inspiring and, and world changing. Absolutely. Um, how would they get a hold of you through LinkedIn or yeah, LinkedIn would be the best LinkedIn. Okay, yep. cool. So uh, awesome, Leilani. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. I look forward to uh, conversing with you again soon.